The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. Week in Review. My name is Jason Spees. Thank you, folks, for joining us this week at the Crude Life Week in Review. Of course, all the interviews you hear today can be found in their entirety at thecrudelife.com. We're going to get right to it today, folks. Zachary Ellis is going to give us an update on some financing, starting off with a story about banks starting to seize assets for those who are not collateralized and don't have enough money to pay their bills. Coming up a little bit later on, Thomas Charlone with Kane Russell Coleman Logan discusses some of his COVID-19 shutdown coronavirus concerns, force majeure, temporary secession of production, mineral lease payments, more and more. Oh my, Dallas Bar Association even gets thrown in there about some things. A lot to talk about today on the Crude Life Week in Review. All right, let's get right to Zachary Ellis with Commercial Credit Group. Zach Ellis, Commercial Credit Group. Excellent. Thank you for joining the program. We've got to get in some weekly finance talk, some weekly money talk. Of course, the PPP program has been extended and they knocked from 75% down to 60%, which is kind of showing that a lot of these different uh, organizations that got the PPP essentially are becoming satellite unemployment offices as they really don't have a handle on how to get things back to normal and not everybody is looking at investing and growing and financing employees they've got some equipment they've got some leases they got assets so that's why we want to bring zach ellison to talk a little bit about some alternative financing because right now the ppp program is what's dominating the headlines and that's not satisfying everybody out there, especially in oil and gas, a world filled with sole proprietors who don't necessarily get that check program, you know, the paycheck program. A lot of people are too busy chasing bills. They can't rely on a weekly check or a monthly check with taxes taken out and the whole deal. To some people, that's dreamland. So, hey, Zach Ellis, how you doing, man? Doing fantastic, Jason. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Sorry for the long intro there, but I wanted to set the table a little bit because I did want to give some people that maybe did not get the PPP program who are not involved with that, uh, you know, some opportunities that you or people like yourself provide because, as you know, not everybody got government assistance. There are people out there still scraping and dealing, and actually there's a lot of people out there looking for opportunity And I'll tell you what, I was looking at a story about a fire sale of oil and gas assets on oilprice.com. And that got me thinking, not only are the oil and gas assets probably at a fire sale rate, but you're starting to see fifth wheel campers, you're starting to see trailers and trucks and all kinds of different things. So I thought I'd check in with you just how the assets look and are you starting to see a trend there at all? And then, you know, make sure we talk about some alternative financing to that PPP program, okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. You're, you're 110% right. We had this conversation a couple weeks back and we stated that 
banks were going to go out and start seizing their own equipment before they saw the foreclosures, uh, essentially what some might call the writing on the wall. So this is, you know, 2020 as a whole has just been an absolute face plant for a lot of people. And I guess that's really the best word to use. It's been a year filled with the virus and now all of the, uh, you know, the riots and coupled with the pandemic and workloads aren't what they used to be and the price of oil is down. So it was almost like a trio of just negativity that fell on everybody's lap and we're all trying to find a way out of it. So, of course, just as any other lender out there, we are seeing more assets, whether it's oil based, whether it's transportation, whether it's construction. There's a lot of assets coming back out there, but to hit on what you said earlier with the PPP, not everybody got approved for the Paycheck Protection Program, and that's a huge deal to a lot of people, especially the small business. That's what keeps them thriving. That's what keeps employees. That's what keeps food on the table. So what I wanted to talk about today is if you didn't get approved for the Paycheck Protection Program, there are so many companies, and I I can name numerous of them in the Midland-Odessa city limits that have equipment that's paid off, that they have titles to. And guys, if you're in a tough time right now and you need money for equipment, this is what we specialize in. Commercial Credit Group has thrived just as good in the good times as the bad times, and even more so in the bad times in helping customers, um, trading titles for cash or refinancing debt or factoring invoices. So this is something you hear me talk about every single week, guys, but this is truly an immediate way to save your business if you're on the brink of what's the next step. All right, let's talk about that next step because a lot of people, they don't know what to do, especially when it comes to finances. Uh, finances, excuse me. <laughs> I, I, I mispronounced excuse me. for I, Boy, that's, that's when you know you're having a heck of a day. You actually mispronounce a word, and then you try to say excuse me because you mispronounced a word, but you mispronounce your manners. Oh, boy. Okay, let's reset, rewind. So let's say credit score. We got to talk credit score because so many people out there, especially in the last six months, maybe the past year, because we're, we're almost on the uh, one year anniversary to Whiting laying off a third of their employees. So the oil and gas industry was getting hit last year. Let's talk credit score a little bit. Um, t- talk to people a little bit about what's going on in that area. Sure. So a credit score does, is so important for so many things, but it's also useless in so many other points, meaning a lot of people will get hung up on what their credit score is. And some people may not understand credit just because people run a business doesn't mean they're 110% fluid in the entire credit and lending process. Although a customer may have a 550 credit score, which is considered bad credit, you have to really look beyond that and see what is it? Is it recent collections? Or did the customer have a bankruptcy and a repo back-to-back? Or, hey, does a customer just have medical charge-offs, but you know what? On its paynet, which is can paynet is your commercial credit, is his paynet score good? Okay, well, his personal credit is only a 550. Well, you know what? The business is always taken care of and thrived and made sure that bills were paid on time. We're not so much worried about a personal credit score And another thing is commercial credit group, we take a common sense approach to lending, meaning if the company cash flows, the collateral is in line with LTV, which is your loan to value amounts, and the business has a good management team, a good business model, and they have either contracts or MSAs or some sort of work 
then that is an absolute deal we will look at. Unfortunately, right now we can't work with an owner-operator or startup-type company. But, again, for the businesses that have been in business for two years, are doing half a million in revenue plus, and that are also maybe on the brink of what's the next step? Where do I go to get more money? Hey, you know what? I have work coming up. I worked with a customer just last week on a deal that we closed that is an oil field hauling company. They haul water, so everything is mainly day cabs and um, – you know, trailers, vacuum trailers, whatever the case might be. And he says, hey, Zach, I've got a contract to haul reefers out of nowhere. So a lot of guys are in the oil field are now hauling reefers. So it may be switching collateral, but he put up a couple of his vacuum trailers to buy uh, refrigerated trailers. And that was Zachary Ellis with the Commercial Credit Group. To listen to the full-length interview, go to thecrudelife.com. Up next, Thomas Charlone with his COVID-19 shutdown concerns. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Crude Life Week in Review. Titan Solutions is now in decontamination services. Their proven process kills 99.999% of all common viruses, bacteria, and fungi, including SARS and the viruses that cause the COVID-19. Call Titan Solutions today. For your disinfected, ULV fogging, wipe down, electro spraying, commercial, industrial, medical lodging, decontamination needs. That's Titan Solutions. Give them a call today, 970-539-8066. That's 970-539-8066. Proudly serving the oil and gas industry using organic products, decontamination services, Titan Solutions. That's 970-539-8066. 970-539-8066. The Crude Life with host Jason Speece. Welcome back to The Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Speece. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next... Thomas Charlone with Kane Russell Coleman Logan. My name's Tom Charlone. I work at Kane Russell Coleman and Logan PC. Thank you for joining the program here today. I was on the oilman.com, the oilmanmagazine.com the other day, and I came across a contribution that you had or something they picked up, and it was a COVID-19 video, and I found it pretty interesting, thought it'd be a good opportunity to bring you on the program, talk a little bit about that, and maybe a couple other topics as well. So how's things going today for you, sir? Things are going well. Thanks for uh, having me on the program this morning. I appreciate it. What part of the country are you down in? I know where you're at, so I said down in, but uh, where are you at? Yeah, we're. Uh, I'm in. Uh, I'm in Texas. I, I office in Houston, Texas. Although at the uh, at the moment, uh, I'm out in the Texas Hill Country in uh, New Braunfels, Texas. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about your COVID nineteen video. Just talk a little bit about the context of that. What what uh, led you to talk about that topic at this point? And uh, kind of elaborate a little, if you wouldn't mind. I, like I said, I saw it at the uh, Oilman Magazine's website. Sure thing. Um, I mean, I could I could talk about this at some length, so feel free to kind of jump in at any time to kind of interject. But I think the video that, that you're referring to uh, is one in which I, I sort of specifically targeted 
uh, concerns about uh, lease termination um, in the context of COVID-19. Uh, much of my practice is devoted to defending uh, operators uh, and ENPs against uh, claims from mineral owners and royalty owners. And, and one of the most frequent claims we see are lease termination claims. And obviously, uh, in a climate like this where production um, is, uh, is not uh, economically feasible, people are shutting in wells, uh, there's no pipeline capacity, storage uh, issues are, are rampant. Um, all of these are potential triggers um, for lease termination claims. Uh, the video um, that, that you're talking about um, included, I think, a special focus on what I think is one of the biggest quandaries facing operators, which are continuous development clauses, um, you know, which require operators typically to hold a lease to drill um, any number of wells on a on a schedule provided for in the oil and gas lease. And um, in an environment now where people don't even want to produce in many instances, the, the concept of spending uh, many millions of dollars on drilling a well is, is sort of anathema, uh, but there is potentially no recourse for operators. Um, you can think about something like a, like a shut-in uh, royalty clause, but a shut-in royalty clause, um, you know, which allows an operator to, to pay a certain amount of money in exchange for shutting down a well for a prescribed uh, contractual period of time, that's not going to apply to a well that hasn't been drilled yet. So um, when we when we think about, you know, sort of a, a typical out or escape hatch uh, in the form of a shut-in royalty provision, that's not going to work with a continuous development clause. Uh, and by the same token, uh, if you do go ahead and drill a well that you don't really want to drill because it's not economically feasible in this environment, you could then see a landowner um, kind of catch you uh, in a catch-22, which is you're, you're now wasting uh, my resources, which is to say by extracting production from a reservoir at a time when commodity prices are low, you're essentially wasting my assets. So you're kind of in a damned-if-you-do, damned-if-you-don't scenario. Um, and, you know, in, in my experience dealing with, you know, plaintiff's firms that represent uh, landowners and mineral owners and royalty owners, um, they really sort of love that kind of thing. So that that's just one of the one of the many issues that are that are facing operators during COVID nineteen. That's a interesting, I guess, dynamic out there. I don't think a lot of people had really thought about. You know, what we hear in the news quite a bit is here's all this government money to go shut in wells and that type of thing. When that happens, does um, does it, how does that impact the mineral owners? Um, does that play into this at all for, you know, satisfying some attorneys in, in that regards? Because I've seen a lot of uh, federal dollars that have really gone specifically to do these types of things. Are you following me on that? Yeah, I, I certainly understand the question. Um, I, I think ultimately uh, that's going to be a question uh, that would have to be answered between uh, the operator um, and the you know the lessor the mineral owner if there's if there's money that's going to the operator from a federal subsidy program and you know an agreement can be reached between uh, the operator and the the landowner the mineral owner um, you know sure thing um, you know uh, money makes the world go round but
but you know leases mineral leases are contracts so um, unless you're going to strike a deal um, you know whereby the operator and the lessor agree to share some sort of federal subsidy money in exchange for um, curtailing or shutting in production, um, I don't think that really insulates operators from the sorts of concerns um, that that I'm putting on my clients' radar screens, and and which I think will lead to a flood of litigation uh, once the courts reopen. Curious about force majeure. That's something that has come up uh, a little bit in the news. I saw the governor of Oklahoma sent a letter to the president, uh, President Trump, asking for a declaration of force majeure. Of course, you start getting into the legalese when you start asking, you know, authorities to come forward and use the word pandemic or epidemic officially so that later attorneys can come back and use it. I've seen where the Texas Cheesecake Factory and the restaurant side has started some proceedings. I've seen uh, Continental Resources on the oil and gas side of things. Are you following this at all from, from your, because what you're talking about, it just seems like a lot of the, the times that force majeure is going to pop up even more so, and that affects the mineral owners as well. Absolutely. So um, the, the question is, you know, do we have a, a force majeure event that would uh, more or less uh, forgive operators from their obligations under a lease to um, either, you know, uh, produce, to drill under a continuous drilling obligation, uh, etc. And unfortunately, everyone really is is hungry for kind of a bright line rule or a one size uh, fits all answer to the question of, hey, you know, will force majeure protect me? And uh, the, 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 the unfortunate reality is it, it is going to be a case-by-case, which is to say a lease-by-lease analysis. But there are uh, some sort of things uh, and factors um, that are going to uh, be the focus of that inquiry. So, you know, the threshold question is always going to be, um, you know, does COVID-19 even, you know, trigger uh, your force majeure clause, assuming you even have one uh, in your lease, because these are contractual provisions and you need to have that, you know, in your oil and gas lease. So question number one is, do you have such a clause? And if you do, does it apply? And whether it applies is going to depend on the language of that force majeure provision. Does it talk about epidemics, as you say, pandemics? Does it mention disease outbreaks or, a, you know, a public health crisis? Short of that, you know, might there be a reference uh, to something like maybe acts of civil or, um, or authority or military authority, maybe talk about government order or regulation? These sorts of specific references uh, would be the most helpful to an operator looking for cover. You know, otherwise... Uh, at a minimum, you're hoping to find in your lease some sort of generic, you know, catch-all provision that says something in words or substance along the lines of, you know, any other cause uh, beyond the control um, uh, of the operator. Um, and that's going to beg some questions about, you know, what's really beyond the control of, you know, of the operator. Yeah, COVID-19, certainly beyond the control of the operator. You know, but did COVID-19 actually cause you to have to shut in a well? Because COVID-19 basically just caused suppressed demand 
which in turn affected prices, which in turn uh, incentivizes operators to to curtail or stop production. So, you know, is that was there even a causal link between force majeure and and shutting in a well? And and is pricing really beyond the control of operators? Because we know that in the oil and gas business, that fluctuating prices, cratering prices, you know, that's something we see in the industry, you know, on a cyclical basis. So. Whether it's through hedging activities or otherwise, even if an operator couldn't have necessarily uh, anticipated COVID-19. Mr. Thomas Charlone, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for a moment or two. We're going to take a brief pause. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Thomas Charlone with Kane Russell Coleman Logan. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Crude Life Week in Review. You can be Bugs Bunny, I'll be Elmer Fudd. I'll follow you, I think you know the word. If we were The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Titan Solutions is now in decontamination services. Their proven process kills 99.999% of all common viruses, bacteria, and fungi, including SARS and the viruses that cause the COVID-19. Call Titan Solutions today for your disinfected ULV fogging, wipe-down, electro-spraying, commercial, industrial, medical lodging, decontamination needs. That's Titan Solutions. Give them a call today, 970-539-8066. That's 970-539-8066. Proudly serving the oil and gas industry using organic products, decontamination services, Titan Solutions. That's 970-539-8066. 539-8066. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you will let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next... Continuing the conversation with Thomas Charlone with Kane Russell Coleman Logan. Whether it's through hedging activities or otherwise, even if an operator couldn't have necessarily uh, anticipated COVID-19, a, a depression in prices is something that might have been um, something one could um, anticipate. Um, I could sort of go on. There, there's, a, there's a whole kind of series of steps that you'd want to look at, uh, but I don't know how deep you want to delve uh, into that today. Well, the one thing that my understanding about force majeure is that, um, like I said, that definitely when the authority figures start using that word in the official legalese and the language, there's certain procedures, at least are in the past with flooding and some other acts of God, there's uh, policies and procedures that need to go through and, and that sort of thing. But uh, no, we don't need to get too deep into that. that. People should just call you if they got uh, questions on that. And you can certainly... 
help them out on that because right now uh, this is a pretty um, advanced topic, but it is something that's real. It's very real for a lot of people. They don't even realize it yet. Like I said, the Texas Cheesecake Factory has already started the procedures down in Texas, and that's you're, you might be familiar with that being down in your neck of the woods. Up in my neck of the woods, uh, up in the Bakken, we had a government uh, meeting about, I'm sorry, we had a meeting with the government about whether to control production or not, much like the Texas Railroad Commission. And sure. um, Oklahoma also has, at least informally, had talks. I don't, I don't know if Oklahoma's had an actual official meeting like Texas has had two, maybe three, but two for sure, and North Dakota's had one. Seems to me, at least from the press readings and from... The people who spoke up at the meetings, anyways, that the mineral owners were not in favor of this for the reasons you cited earlier that it might devalue the um, value of the mineral. Which I, I, you know, who knows? I have no idea. All I know is that usually when the government steps in and controls something, it steps in and controls something. So whether the value goes up or not, that's a different argument. But. Have you heard about uh, from out of the Texas Railroad Commission and down there as far as what the mineral owners are kind of thinking or the, your clients or just kind of that whole government stepping in and kind of doing the, the control of the production side of things? Sure. Well, I mean, in terms of, of, of the mineral owners perspective, you know, typically um, they are taking a, you know, a cost free share of production. So, you know, in a typical, you know, oil and gas lease um, in the Eagleford or in the Permian, you're looking at a, you know, one quarter, 25 percent royalty uh, of whatever comes out of the ground, um, you know, without any obligation uh, for paying the costs of of getting uh, production to the surface to market and sold. So, you know, from the mineral owner's perspective, um, they sort of don't really care whether or not the the operator is is profitable. They're going to get their twenty five percent or whatever their lease percentage is, and twenty five percent of something is you know better than twenty five percent of of nothing. So, I think mineral owners generally. Um, you know, would like production uh, to continue. Uh, that said, um, mineral owners also tend to always look for opportunities to renegotiate leases, to terminate leases. And so, um, you know, I think lots of mineral owners would be just as happy um, to, you know, put their um, their lessee in a position where, you know, uh, technically they're in default, which may then allow them to um, you know, threaten a lease termination claim, renegotiate a lease with uh, with a higher royalty percentage, or maybe uh, a more aggressive continuous drilling clause. But um, you know, the the mineral owner is is generally not going to be you know dissuaded uh, by uh, lower commodity prices because again, you know, a percentage of of something is better than a percentage of nothing. So kind of transitioning back to the COVID-19, which is what we originally were talking about. Uh, yeah. uh, let's kind of re- reiterate and reset that again, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of the, the context behind that and, and how you're currently helping people through this COVID-19. Sure. So, you know, the the analysis for, for a lot of, uh, of my clients um, in terms of, hey, what can we do 
um, to, you know, protect ourselves during COVID-19 um, in scenarios where we are having to uh, curtail production or, or, or stop production entirely. And I think we alluded to the fact that, you know, a shut-in royalty uh, clause is, is one of the things, one of the most obvious things that an operator can turn to for that purpose. Um, the issue that we're having to counsel clients about is that um, shut-in royalty provisions typically uh, are associated uh, with gas wells. Um, so you really have to read your lease carefully. Um, uh, some leases will explicitly apply to oil wells in addition to gas wells. If you're in that scenario, you know you're very well positioned. Not all of my clients, not all operators will be so fortunate. So then you have to sort of look to the grayer areas in these in these shut-in royalty clauses. And so you might you might see a clause that allows you to shut in uh, any well that's producing gas. That's the language you'll see, a well that's producing gas. So the open question is, well, couldn't that include oil that's produced alongside associated gas? The argument, I think, is, is a fair one, but it's not one that we've seen the courts um, uh, offer us any guidance on, and time will tell what the courts in Texas and elsewhere uh, say about that issue. Um, now, the, the other you know, potential um, you know, concern or really factor is if you have um, no pipeline available. So you've got some oil wells connected to a pipeline that are not taking deliveries. Probably that's going to be due to a lack of storage. So uh, in a situation like that, um, operators may be permitted to, to, to shut in wells um, and, and perpetuate the lease. Now, um, another sort of legal doctrine, and I'll, I'll try to keep it as straightforward as possible because I know the audience here is, is not all lawyers, but um, we have we have something called, you know, cessation of production or temporary cessation of production, at least here in Texas, and it comes in two forms. It, it comes in the form of a clause in your mineral lease that specifically talks about this, and then we have provisions that are just sort of built in to the law, meaning that even if there's no reference to cessation of production in your mineral lease, uh, Texas law will sort of graft the concept um, onto your lease. Now, if, you're, if you don't have a, a specific clause in your lease that speaks to, hey, what happens when there's a temporary pause in production, um, like I said, the courts will, will sometimes graft or impose a common law um, uh, temporary cessation doctrine. Now, the issue with that is the cases in Texas usually talk about cessation that's attributable to something like a sudden stoppage of the well or a mechanical breakdown, something uh, going south with um, uh, equipment. So it's it's uh, it's not really something uh, like COVID nineteen. Um, so the question is, can we kind of fit a you know, a square peg in a round hole, which is to say, does COVID-19 um, really meet the standard of a, you know, a sudden stoppage? Now, there are some cases uh, that suggest that the answer is yes, that, that, that this common law doctrine in Texas would apply to COVID-19. And the Texas Supreme Court, for example, uh, has said that just because you can foresee something and just because something is avoidable, those aren't necessary before an operator can seek the protection of a, of a temporary cessation of production doctrine argument. So um, there's, a, there's a case out of uh, the Eastland Court of Appeals, for example. It was uh, uh, the KCV Western Oil and Gas case 
where the court there, an appellate court, said uh, the temporary cessation doctrine would apply uh, when a pipeline company disconnected uh, the lease uh, from the network. So uh, cases like that suggest to us that the cessation, the temporary cessation of production doctrine, even if you don't have that in your lease, uh, could protect you in instances of stoppages where there is a lack of storage capacity or a lack of pipeline capacity. Um, now, you may uh, have a uh, an explicit cessation production uh, clause in your lease. Uh, in that instance, uh, you can't look to the Texas common law. You have to just read your lease. Uh, the leases are probably going to tell you the duration uh, of the delay that is permissible under your lease and the permissible reasons for the delay. So um, if, if you've got this clause in your contract, read your lease carefully, see how long you can uh, you can delay production and, and see what the permissible reasons are. Mr. Thomas Charlone, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for a moment or two. We're going to take a brief pause. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Thomas Charlone with Kane Russell Coleman Logan. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Crude Life Week in Review. The Food Life is sponsored in part by Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Titan Solutions is now in decontamination services. Their proven process kills 99.999% of all common viruses, bacteria, and fungi, including SARS and the viruses that cause the COVID-19 Call Titan Solutions today for your disinfected ULV fogging, wipe down, electro spraying, commercial, industrial, medical lodging, decontamination needs. That's Titan Solutions. Give them a call today, 970-539-8066. That's 970-539-8066. Proudly serving the oil and gas industry using organic products, Decontamination Services Titan Solutions. That's 970-539-8066. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you folks for joining us. Coming up next... Continuing the conversation with Thomas Charlone with Kane Russell Coleman Logan. One of those dot the I's and cross the T's questions. Are there uh, leases that separate the hydrocarbons? Uh, different leases that pay for oil and maybe not gas or vice versa or just some combination of the, the two of them not syncing up? Is that being a, is that at all a thing? Well, I can tell you this, lease forms are uh, increasingly becoming custom sort of creatures. And so 
uh, especially when we're talking about you know larger properties, uh, moneyed families with with large ranches and you know tens of thousands of, of acres. I mean, we'll we'll see lease forms that are in excess of a hundred pages long, and really, uh, they can come in every flavor and stripe imaginable. So, you know, what you're positing, could you have that sort of bifurcation where there's a disconnect and different treatment between um, uh, gas and, and oil? Uh, definitely. Um, again, the, the sort of unsatisfying answer that uh, we have to give a lot of clients uh, who want a, a simple answer is, look, uh, we really have to we have to read your lease and parse your lease. And in that connection, um, one of the things, and, and this is pretty important, one of the things that's happened here in Texas is um, is the, the Texas Supreme Court has said, you know what, all of these sort of words of art and industry phrases that, that we in the oil and gas business attribute some special meaning to, um, you kind of can't do that anymore. Surrounding circumstances, uh, 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 you know, magic uh, words and phrases, terms of art, don't, don't rely on that in the way that we used to. Instead, look at the four corners of the contract, look at the, at the lease itself, and let's figure out what it really means. So um, it, it's really hard um, to, to sort of uh, extrapolate to any kind of generalities that are really helpful in, in this environment. But it does exist where these, these specialized custom contracts not only exist, you, they're, they're quite prevalent out there. There, uh, not only are custom leases prevalent, but they are in in many instances um, specifically designed by landowner attorneys uh, to yeah. be to, to be pitfalls. I mean, they they are drafted to be internally inconsistent, to be ambiguous, and the reality is the the landowner and, and their lawyers uh, really don't necessarily know how they're going to capitalize on these lease forms, but they know that there's so much complexity, ambiguity, internal disconnects, definitional issues, etc. There's so much fodder there that if there is any sort of bump in the road, and COVID-19 is certainly a bump in the road, there are going to just be so much fodder in those types of custom lease forms to generate some kind of argument uh, that will sustain a, a lawsuit, that will create exposure uh, and, and drive a, a settlement for you know better lease terms. Um, and, and so, uh, yes, these 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 leases exist. Yes, they are a tool and a tactic for mineral owners to apply pressure uh, to operators and and ENPs. This might be a really dumb question because I don't own any minerals, so I'm not sure how this works. I just you know talk to smart people like you. When a shut-in happens, does that terminate a lease? No, no. In fact, just just the opposite. Um, essentially. Um, you know, and again, this will vary from from lease to lease, from contract to contract. But but a shut-in royalty uh, is basically a payment you make to the mineral owner, uh, and in exchange, um, if the right circumstances are met, in exchange you get to to shut in the well for a period of time, um, and that's usually contractually prescribed. It, it could be sort of uh, more ambiguous and refer to a reasonable period of time, in which case you have to parse what that means. But typically, it's I pay a certain amount of money as the operator for the mineral owner, and in exchange um, for a prescribed period of time, you know, 90 days, 120 days are, are, are common time periods, I get to shut in the well 
and, and then I have to resume um, operations and the lease remains in effect as long as I as long as I get back up and running again. So it's not. Yeah, it doesn't terminate it because of, you know, because of the shut in language or anything like that. There's a timeline and there's generally generally a reason because like I always tell people, the oil companies are around to make money and they're not hiding it. They, 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 they've never really shied away from letting people know that's why they're in business. I just remember the first time I did a contract. I was just so I, I giggled when I read the word force majeure, and and we, we're we're living in a world where that's actually that that you know in all honesty that could bring down the insurance industry. I mean, if 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 you got to pay out the restaurant industry and the oil and gas industry, and then the other industries figure this out all at one time, I don't know any industry that can take that. So I mean, will it happen? No idea. But I, I do see where the potentials are there because force majeure, we get it up in the Dakotas all the time, like I'm sure you do down in Texas with flooding, tornadoes. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's, it's normally regional. It's never been worldwide. That's why this is, no, you know, that's why that speculation isn't out of line at all. But um, anyway, like I said, we're just living in some crazy times where, like I tell people, right now we're living in the world where everything is on the table because – Basically, everything I was told my whole life that could not happen, like can't even shut down Las Vegas for one day or the world would shut down and all these different things. Well, guess what? It all happened. So I'm I'm like, I'm listening to everybody now, even the crazy people. And I'm just going to take off ideas one at a time that, you know, I'm, I'm going to start taking things off the table, but I'm not going to not put things on the table anymore because that that didn't serve me well so anyway there you go there's a little uh existential interview portion there for you sir no no in fact just just the opposite um essentially um you know and again this will vary from from lease to lease from contract to contract but but a shut-in royalty uh, is basically a payment you make to the mineral owner uh and in exchange um, if the right circumstances are met in exchange, you get to, to shut in the well for a period of time. Um, and that's usually contractually prescribed. It, it could be sort of uh, more ambiguous and refer to a reasonable period of time, in which case you have to parse what that means. But typically it's, I pay a certain amount of money as the operator to the mineral owner and in exchange um, for a prescribed period of time, you know, 90 days, 120 days are, are, are common time periods. I get to shut in the well and, and then I have to resume um, operations and the lease remains in effect as long as I as long as I get back up and running again. That's going to do it for the Crude Life a Week in Review. Mr. Thomas Charlone, Kane Russell, Coleman Logan, thank you for joining us here today. The full-length interview is available at thecrudelife.com. Also, Zachary Ellis with the Commercial Credit Group, thank you very much for joining us here this week. All the interviews you hear today and all the other weeks are available at thecrudelife.com. Once again, folks, I'd like to thank you very much for tuning in and listening to us here on this radio station. And folks, if you're looking at supporting a local business, try your local radio station. They reach all kinds of people right now, who ones who are just completely having their life turned upside down, this and that. Well, radio is a great place to reach out and find out how you can advertise, how you can get involved with their community services, how you can engage with their DJs and disc jockeys and news anchors. 
I'll tell you what, right now is a great time to engage with your local radio station. My name is Jason Spies, and I'd like to thank each radio station for carrying the Crude Life Week in Review. I'd also like to thank everybody for downloading and listening on iHeartRadio and Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, all the different places that people are getting podcasts these days. I'm learning more and more. In fact, we're now available at the Oil Man Magazine's website every single day. So the crude life continues. Our reach, our distribution, and thank you, thank you, thank you. From the staff here at the Crude Life Week in Review, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember energy is more than an industry. It's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Titan Solutions is now in decontamination services. Their proven process kills 99.999% of all common viruses, bacteria, and fungi, including SARS and the viruses that cause the COVID-19. Call Titan Solutions today for your disinfected ULV fogging, wipe-down, electro-spraying, commercial, industrial, medical lodging, decontamination needs. That's Titan Solutions. Give them a call today, 970-539-8066. That's 970-539-8066. Proudly serving the oil and gas industry using organic products, decontamination services, Titan Solutions. That's 970-539-8066. 970-539-8066.